This is the Aspen Public Radio Newscast. I'm your host, Kaya Williams, subbing in for Eleanor Bennett with your top stories of the day. The town of Carbondale is set to open its two new shelters tonight, one at Town Hall and another at the Carbondale Community United Methodist Church. Meanwhile, the temporary emergency shelter for new arrivals at the Third Street Center is closing. But officials say no one who registered with the town while they were staying at the center will be out on the street. Hallie Zander reports. Former superintendent of the Roaring Fork School District, Rob Stein, has been working to register everyone who's been staying at the 3rd Street Center over the past few months. He says all of them will get a spot at one of the new shelters. Latino advocacy organization Voces Unidas has documented over 170 new immigrant arrivals over the past few months. But many have since left the valley. About 20 people remain on the town's waiting list for emergency shelter, most of whom have been sleeping in cars. Stein adds that the town won't let anyone freeze to death. If someone without a vehicle came looking for shelter during this cold snap, they would take them in for the night and help them with next steps in the morning. He added that police have been patrolling the area where people were previously camping, and there are no signs of anyone sleeping at the boat ramp at the entrance to Carbondale. He encourages people who need a hot meal during winter storms to go to Crystal River Elementary School for dinners weekdays at 6 p.m. For Aspen Public Radio News, I'm Hallie Zander. The town of Carbondale is also planning to offer anyone who cannot find shelter in Carbondale transportation elsewhere if they want it. After 27 years on the board, John Martin says he will not be running for re-election as Garfield County Commissioner. According to the Glenwood Springs Post-Independent, the Republican is in his seventh term on the board. In his time in the seat, Martin has been a vocal proponent of local control, agriculture, and the oil and gas industry. The only Republican currently running for Martin's District 2 seat is Caleb Waller of Silt. Two Democrats are vying for the seat as well, Doug Salg of Glenwood Springs and Caitlin Carey of Newcastle. The West Mountain Regional Housing Coalition hosted a forum in Willits yesterday. Attendees got updates on both the rental and for sale housing markets, as well as some of the programs the coalition is hoping to implement in our region. Caroline Yanez has more. Presenters emphasized that based on home prices and the area's income, nearly no one who works in Roaring Fork Valley businesses can afford to buy a free market home. Ashley Pearl is Pitkin County's resilience manager and represents the county in the coalition. She spoke about some of the coalition's initiatives, which include a buy-down program. The coalition pays 30% of a free market home's purchase price in exchange for a deed restriction. Pearl says it's great that businesses are building and buying housing for their employees, but it's important to have attainable housing that is not tied to specific jobs. They can't get a pet. They can't upsize if they have a child. They can't downsize if they need to. They can't get a new job. And that's not a resilient workforce. That's a stuck workforce. She also discussed support for renters, like providing grants or loans to cover first and last month's rent and a security deposit to get people into rentals. Caroline Yanez, Aspen Public Radio News. Congress has approved a stopgap spending measure to prevent a partial government shutdown this week. But U.S. Representative Lauren Boebert of Silt is not a fan of the deal. She and nearly 100 other Republicans voted against the deal yesterday. In a statement, she called the continuing resolution Nancy Pelosi-esque and said it won't rein in what she calls wasteful spending. She says the bill does nothing to increase security at the southern border and doesn't in her 
purview adequately cut funding for the IRS. With the approval of the continuing resolution, Congress has until March to finalize a permanent spending bill. The city of Aspen is one of just 119 cities in the world to receive special recognition for its climate action. International nonprofit CDP ranks cities based on their environmental impact and transparency. The organization gave Aspen an A grade and says the city took about four times as many climate mitigation measures as cities who got lower grades. The group also commended Aspen for its public disclosure of its climate action plan. Some of Aspen's climate-directed actions since 2007 include banning single-use grocery bags, using 100% renewable energy for the municipal electric system, and implementing a new organic waste diversion program. In a statement, city officials thanked CDP for the recognition and said they looked forward to future innovations in the climate space. Picking County Democrats are inviting the public to attend a women's march on Saturday. The theme for the march is Bigger Than Roe, referencing the U.S. Supreme Court's 2022 decision to overturn Roe v. Wade, stating that the Constitution does not grant the right to an abortion. Participants will gather at Gondola Plaza at 1230 and will march to Pepke Park. There are a number of speakers will address attendees, including former Aspen City Councilor Ann Mullins and Shel Pendragosa, the program director of Response. It's a nonprofit to support survivors of sexual assault and intimate partner violence. Also on the docket are representatives from Cobalt, Colorado, which provides women with resources on reproductive care, including abortions, as well as Food Bank of the Rockies. People are encouraged to carry family-friendly signs. In news from the Edless Neeson Arts and Culture Desk, Aspen Middle School art students were named the most creative in the Kids Sculpt Contest at last weekend's 73rd Annual Winter Sculpt Festival. It's part of a Winter Sculpt Snow Sculpture Contest. Eighth grader Mia Haas designed the award-winning submission, and the whole team from Hannah Baker's class made it come alive. The final sculpture depicted a snow bunny wearing ski goggles. People can take a trip back in time at the Rifle Branch Library tomorrow and learn about an interesting astronomical event from the Colorado River Valley's past. Gary Miller from the Rifle Heritage Center will share the story of the Yellow Slide meteorite and how its 1940s discovery in Rifle connects to famous outlaw Kid Curry and a 1904 train robbery in Parachute. The event is free and starts at 1 p.m. Aspen Out will be hosting a party for young people in the community this Saturday in Snowmass Village. The festivities start at Elk Camp, located mid-mountain at the ski area. There will be gondola and alpine coaster rides from 1 to 3 p.m. Then the party moves to the collective in Snowmass Space Village, where there will be games, food, music, and dancing from 3 to 6. The party is free for local youth, but there are waivers required for some of the activities. People can sign those early online at aspenout.com or or on site at the collective. An adult will need to sign the waiver for participants under 18 years old. A showcase of high school students' artwork will be up at the Aspen Chapel Gallery through February 3rd. 5 by 17 features pieces from five high school art departments in the Roaring Fork Valley. Each school contributed 17 pieces. The artworks aren't actually for sale, but people can adopt the ones they like. A big portion of the proceeds go back to those art departments, raising hundreds of dollars for each school. 
And in news from the ski report, the mass of Arctic air that moved into the state last week dumped huge amounts of snow across parts of Colorado's high country. CPR reports that a large corridor near Steamboat Springs picked up at least three feet. According to the National Weather Service, areas near Winter Park, Montezuma, and Monarch also picked up about three feet. The snowstorm helped, but statewide snowpack totals are still a little below long-term averages for this time of year. We may get a little more snow this weekend, but with temperatures in the 40s, it could be sticky, wet, and heavy, instead of the light, fluffy powder we saw this week. If you have a season pass to Aspen Snowmass ski areas, or even a single-day lift ticket, you're now automatically eligible to join Team POW. It's a community formed around climate action, led by the nonprofit Protect Our Winters. They're focused on big-picture changes through policy, legislation, and civic engagement to address the challenge of human-caused climate change. Members will get tools to participate in climate advocacy, plus access to POW events and other opportunities. Carbondale's Independence Run and Hike is hosting a cross-country ski demo day at Spring Gulch this Sunday. From 9 to 11 a.m., folks will have a chance to try out the newest styles of classic and skate skis. Representatives from Solomon, Fisher, and Rosignal will be there to answer any questions. Then from 11.30 a.m. to 1 p.m., the shop will be offering free skate lessons. Folks will be separated into groups for never-evers and beginners and advanced beginners and intermediates. If you're in Carbondale, you can swing by the shop to reserve your gear, or you can call ahead. In statewide news, Colorado's public school enrollment continues to decline this year. It's the lowest mark in a decade. CPR's education reporter Jenny Brundine has more. Colorado's declining birth rate is accelerating the enrollment drop. Migration to the state has also slowed. There were 1,800 fewer students across the state. This year, kindergarten through first grades declined the most. White students saw the largest drop in numbers overall. Latino students saw the largest increase. Several large major districts saw enrollment declines, including Jefferson County, Douglas County, Cherry Creek, and Adams 12. Denver and Aurora saw increases. Jenny Brandine, CPR News. Last month, the Montezuma County Board of Commissioners voted to cut 10 positions from the sheriff's office. In response, employees have petitioned the state of Colorado to begin the process of collective bargaining in the new year. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, KSGD's Chris Clements reports. Alan Phelps is a detective at the Montezuma County Sheriff's Office and the president of Mesa Verde Lodge 74, Fraternal Order of Police. Without proper staffing levels, Phelps says the office is unable to adequately deal with the number of homicides, sexual assaults, and property crimes that occur in the county. Generally, we have two officers on patrol at any given time. Um, Response times go up. Um, It affects the community safety overall. We can we can no longer do community policing. Phelps says 70 of the 72 employees at the office signed petitions in favor of collective bargaining, which will now initiate a ballot election. If the petition is approved, negotiations will begin around wages, benefits, and work conditions for those in the sheriff's office. Although the positions that were cut were unfilled and no staff have been fired, according to Phelps, the elimination of those jobs disrupts the office's ability to respond to emergencies in a timely manner. For KSJD, I'm Chris Clements. 
And in news from the region and beyond, the National Park Service is gathering information this month on a former black homestead in our region. It's part of the process in considering the site for inclusion in the park system. Deerfield, once a flourishing black agricultural community, was established in the early 20th century in northeast Colorado. The Park Service's name in horn says public meetings this month are an important part of the agency's study. We assume that there's a fair amount of people out there who have a connection to this site uh, that we haven't necessarily connected with. And so to capture what those connections are and what makes this place special for people is important. A public comment period for the Deerfield study is open until February 23rd. The Environmental Protection Agency has announced that it reached a settlement with the Navajo Tribal Utility Authority over water permit violations. Now the NTUA must improve wastewater treatment facilities in three communities in northern Arizona. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, KSJD's Chris Clements has more. The Department of Justice filed a complaint on behalf of the EPA that says the facilities violated Clean Water Act permits meant to protect human health and the environment by discharging wastewater not treated to proper levels into washes across the tribal nation. It also says the NTUA failed to maintain their facilities sewage systems and prevent sewage spills. The roughly $100 million settlement will mean some short-term and long-term upgrades to facilities in Chinle, Kayenta, and Tuba City that serve about 20,000 people mostly Navajo citizens. Beth Abishan is a supervisory natural resource specialist for Region 9 of the EPA. When we look at Navajo and um, the the type of land it is, water resources are a limited uh, quantity out there. It's important to protect all of them. Abishan says that NTUA, a nonprofit enterprise of the Navajo Nation, has already begun much of the work needed at its treatment facilities. Federal grants from initiatives like the Bipartisan Infrastructure Plan and other sources are expected to cover the majority of the cost expected for the NTUA under the settlement. For KSJD, I'm Chris Clements. The Aspen Public Radio newscast is produced by our news team, which includes Hallie Sander, Caroline Yanez, Eleanor Bennett, and me, your host for the day, Kaya Williams. You can listen to the show every weekday morning on our website or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening and see you next time.